0: Hello guys and welcome to another edition of the fights Art Boxing Podcast and wow do we have a lot to talk about today, I'm Lukash and um, I'm going to be trying to explain what happened this weekend and uh, why exactly was I so wrong in my previews of it if anyone followed them, as if, uh, regular listeners may know that I like to, you know, I like getting things right but I don't always and if I get it wrong I want to figure out why and it can be interesting to talk, to talk about fights from that angle, you know, what, what we expected and what, what actually happened so I'll be doing that. I'll be doing that with um, Josh Taylor versus Jack Catterall, which uh, technically wasn't an upset because Taylor won, but, um, you know, he didn't. And I'm going to be talking about Chris Colbert versus Hex-Louis Garcia. Um, and that was a big upset win for Garcia. And then I'm going to talk about and um, Anahakas losing his title to um, Fernando Martinez, also completely unexpectedly. Um, so, yeah, a lot, lot to talk about. And then I'm going to talk about... Um, Jordan Gill at the end I'm going to talk a little bit about the British card but mostly Jordan Gill because uh, that was awesome but yeah uh, I'm going to start with um, Josh Taylor as Jack Catterall obviously um, and just as a fair, fair warning um, yeah I do think the score was wrong I do think it was a robbery I'm not going to go too much into it just because well that's not what I'm <laughs> I'm not a judge I'm not going to talk about why I think the judges you know there's not that much for me to say there's plenty of people talking about the the wise and wherefores of the judging I want to talk about the why's and wherefores of the fights um and you know what went wrong and the first thing to say is uh well the two things two things to talk about obviously is was Jack Cattell better than we thought he was going to be and was uh George Taylor worse and in what ways you know did that feed into the fight because uh Frankly, just you know, the were where I thought and I wasn't definitely wasn't the only one, but where I thought there was gonna be, like I didn't even a good performance from Cattle would have needed to be of the right type to get to get past Josh Taylor. But uh Yeah, what, so the answer to that both of those questions the basically the answer is to to that question before, was it uh Cattle being worse or just Taylor being better? The answer is yes. Both things were true. Um yeah, Jack, Jack Cattle he came out he had a plan um, one thing I noticed very quickly is um, I usually think of him as being quite a static guy like um, he moves in straight lines I made a comparison in my preview of uh, to certain older style not older style but a few years ago these British fighters that fought to this uh, sort of template that's, you can associate it with the um, Joe Gallagher gym but it was really common in England these ter- uh, Terry Flanagan's and and uh, these um your uh, mcdonald twins anthony Carolla, or all of that kind of fighter the smith brothers apart from Callum, and i thought of um i thought of cattle being like that but more more focused on trying to be sort of a powerful counterpuncher, so even more static than that i didn't think it was particularly his bad what he was what he'd been trying to do before he was fine yeah he's a good fighter But um yeah the first thing i noticed about his performance at the weekend was his mobility behind his jab he'd jab and circle jab and circle and that's just not something i've been seeing from him before and and that i think put josh taylor off immediately because maybe he was expecting to step in and be be able to circle cattle with impunity and just he, he just couldn't you know he's a if he tried to circle one way he'd step he'd be too far away and if he tried to circle the other way without you know setting up he'd collide or he'd fall short so so I think that did cause problems for Taylor early but that's where we come to Josh Taylor being worse than far worse than we expected far worse I mean yeah possibly because uh, because even like Cattle was jabbing and moving but um, once he set himself for punching he wasn't he didn't have that mobility. Like he was doing things that were fine, and possibly you could say he was spoiling Taylor's movement because he was. I noted on Twitter that he's, he was leaning in really, really, really putting weight on his front foot. And I think part of that might have been deliberate. Like he was really leaning forward, really, and I thought it was quite strange. And looking back on it, I think what he was doing was was spoiling those circular movements, like um, just getting himself in the way. It's actually something I talked about that of um, Josh Taylor of uh, Anthony Joshua needing to do against Usyk that uh, he needs to sort of put his body in the way of the second movements. And I do think that's Catra was doing some of that. I was disappointed in Taylor's response because Taylor is an excellent inside fighter, or sh- used to be. And his response here was mostly try to, to try to blast it out. And that I've got an extra little bit of concern there. I'll get into it at the end about the, what he's learning, what he's been taught. Um, I'll get into that at the end because um, there's a, I will sort of want to separate that out. But um, yeah, it was a disappointing response by taylor just to try to shove cattle off and push him it through, push through it and power, outpower him and i think that was a one you know that was one mistake because uh even if he hadn't looked weight drained, and he did look weight drained, he'd like taylor didn't look comfortable physically at all but if it hadn't been even if he hadn't been sort of the strength and power was at one situation where like even though taylor's a naturally bigger guy cattle was a you know he's a solid unit and he's got a stable base and he's not a guy you necessarily want to Get to a shoving match with so taylor doing that explicitly and trying to just punch his way through the problem it was just such a disappointing response um yeah and um, he also lacked any head movement and that was bloody weird too because um you watch a fight like a balan but pro pro gray was um you know that was a whole different uh style of opponent and but his head movement was there too but um you watch a fight against like balan and josh taylor was diffusing a lot of Balantric's work by sliding inside the arc of the punches and that wasn't quite on the table here um, in the exact form of what he was doing because um, because casual shots aren't as winged as Balantric's but that sort of level of precision of head movement like he'd just step in as uh, Balantric was throwing him and make him make them go behind so risky move that was a like, ballsy move and here it was just none of that like, there was no precision in his head move like he didn't really didn't have any head head movement and you know he, he isn't canelo he was never canelo but he always knew how to sort of protect himself, from himself. and position himself it just wasn't really happening and offensively like, offensively taylor was okay but he really struggled with Ta with um cattle's little shoulder roll type slide back thing <clears throat> which was interesting because was had it but I, like, I was never particularly impressed by it in his previous fights you know I thought he'd, uh, he'd sort of take himself too far out without uh, you know he'd slide away but it was mostly just an effect of uh, just moving you know moving away it wasn't uh, it wasn't like he was sliding punches and uh, staying in a range and keeping himself keeping himself safe but open to throw but here he was just much more like he was still backing out and maybe having forcing a reset much of the time. But firstly, I don't think Taylor was at all ready. Like he just looked confused by the fact that he wasn't landing with the first jab and with the first follow ups because Taylor was was um because was starting off. And then what Catrol did do a lot better than I've sort of briefly him credit for ever doing, was um when Taylor did step in, he'd sort of rock back and throw the counter. And that was a good, like, that was a thing I have to give him credit for. And the other the thing I'd like to highlight from Catrol, actually, um, is the use of balance. This is sort of a pet, one of the pet, I say pet peeves, the opposite of that. Um, that's the thing I really like seeing fighters do well. They're sort of having a central balance and then move back and forth across it to defend and then put the power into two shots. And yeah, that's something that really high-level fighters mostly know how to do to one extent or another, but uh, they sort of a... Well, Cattrall maybe should be, you know, he should be holding all the all the titles in one of the sort of Premier Divisions 140, so maybe he should be considered a fighter. But um, yeah, the point is I hadn't really thought of him as being this kind of level fighter. And the sort of average British level fighter, they do use the balancing back and forth, jumping in and out, like I say, drifting on the edge of range, but they never really use it to set up powerful shots. And where I'd previously it's called Cattrall... A deviation from that template on the sort of negative side would be too static in this instance he was using it to draw taylor onto things that were more yeah it was it was a good thing that the more powerful he's doing more damage than taylor was expecting and yeah he was really it was really confounding taylor to try you know it more than it should have been like i, I don't really understand what went wrong in that sense because um, he wasn't jabbing to find his range like he, he looked like he was trying to jab his hand to, to throw a range-finding jab but when he didn't find his range he just got confused and just kind of almost I mean, at, at him like, just kind of leaping, almost not leaping but sort of running in and trying to get close by whatever means possible and then yeah, when they got on close, it was a pretty ugly fight um, the referee didn't handle it particularly well, they was, it was scrappy and uh, clinchy and uh, all sorts of shoving and pushing him. and again um taylor you normally think of taylor as being really good at that and it just wasn't working for him and you know cattle has to take credit for doing well in that sense as well like i say he's a solid unit and again he knows how to use his balance and possibly his framing confused taylor as well because that is it's an overlooked part of boxing of when you're pushing and pulling and getting in that clinch you know you think of it as strength but but, uh, you know, Alexander Usyk bullied Joshua around in the shopping matches and that didn't happen because he's physically stronger than Anthony Joshua in a straight, you know, if they were playing strong man or lifting weights or whatever. But he has a better balance and that did happen here. And I just don't, like, I always think of Taylor as being good at that kind of thing. It's how he won the region programming fight because he's good at shoving about and pushing and creating his angles and, and it just didn't happen. So, yeah, look, at the end of the day, this was a case of uh, of uh, both uh, cattle being better and Taylor being worse. And as the fight went on, Taylor did start to figure it out a bit. I think t- t- cattle maybe started to tire, like um he wasn't super doing super loads, but it was fairly it is is fairly high intensity movement side of thing. What he was doing, and um, Taylor did start to put the volume on a bit more. It was still not the sort of volume we'd expect, but he did start to he Started to get more punches home and, uh, you know, in the middle rounds, apart from the one where he got knocked down, uh, which was a you know, tidy piece of work. Where Cattle I mean, Josh Taylor made another mistake where he, he sort of tried to avoid, sort of tried to duck around the outside, and Cattle just sort of spanned with him and delivered a really nice short left hook. Um it just clipped him, it wasn't a super hurtful blow, but it clipped him and, um, sort of hurled him to the floor when he was really of balance. And that was. Yeah, it was a, there was a lot of that sort of cattle, drawing Taylor into things. Sort of his faint game. I mean, his faint game was on point. His sort of his control of the space in front of him was most for the most part on point. And that, like that is ultimately what won him the fight. Um, he didn't have to be. No, like, he was. He was more mobile than expected. He's not a mobile fighter. He didn't have to be super mobile to deal with what Taylor was giving him. He was tricking Taylor. He was confusing Taylor with his, you know underratedly crafty movements and i think it's i say he's much better than i've ever seen it before i have to say that possibly what i was seeing was uh casual being finding it difficult to be the front foot fighter but he didn't have to be in this occasion he was fighting guys previously who didn't necessarily engage with them as much and he did struggle to deal with that but but Maybe he was always perfectly suited to fighting someone who'd come at him, even with Josh Taylor's quality, and he did diffuse some of that quality. You know, even if I think Taylor looked worse than uh, than he should have done, I can't say Jack Cattle had, had no effect on that because he was confusing Josh Taylor with um, with his sort of slip slipbacks, his uh his balance, his timing. Yeah, it was a good performance. Um, then we talk about the middle rounds because. Um, I gave catch-all pretty much all of the early rounds. I think I gave Taylor round two. But um Yeah, then Taylor sort of started to get back into it and then there was a knockdown. I'm not gonna talk about the point deductions, because I think, you know, there could've been more, there could have been less that. Like the ref- the referee wasn't good, but the cancelled each other out so they didn't really affect the fight. Um here, yeah, then uh, people start talking about um, Catwall abandoning the fight and going on the back foot, and that's why he lost. Some people say that that's why he deserved to lose. Now, firstly, that's not how scoring works. But secondly, okay, I, I turns out I am going to talk about scoring because it is relevant to what happened in the fight. If you look at the last two rounds, which uh, were apparently sort of well, the were on the size of Ian John Lewis' card because um, John, Ian John Lewis is um, a moron. But um, on the other card, I can't remember who scored it, but um, the, the narrow one. Those last two rounds would have been decisive, and um, yeah, there seemed to be this sort of on the broadcasts, this sort of thing that uh, yeah, of course, Jeff Taylor won the last couple of rounds because Caddo was on back foot, but it's effective aggression, effective, and um, now like even I gave, I only gave i get cattle 11 and taylor 12 but sort of looking back on them i think there's more argument for giving cattle both of those rounds and taylor because taylor just didn't do anything he was coming forwards and sure, cattle only landed a few punches and i think the punch stats gave cattle like um eight and nine in the final two rounds which isn't a lot but taylor landed three by the punch stats and that seemed about like i think you know watching it live um I okay, clearly thought Taylor did more than that in the final round to give it to Cattrall but the point is that Taylor was moving forwards but he wasn't landing and he wasn't even throwing that much Like Cattle still threw more punches he threw a little more and landed more in the final two rounds he was just moving backwards while he did it so it's just an absurd notion to say that he that because Cattrall was on the back foot that he that he was throwing the rounds away it was just oh, that was so, such an aggravating piece of a, analysis that sort of justifying the bad scoring because cattle was you know firstly moving backwards is not getting up the fight but secondly even if that, that were true that's not what was happening here it's just and yeah The like Taylor's not going to fight this way again so we're not going to see a rematch capital is never going to get an opportunity like this again because the belts are going to fracture hopefully he'll get at least one uh, shot at one of them I think it's a WO who this is a mandatory for so hopefully he'll get the shot at for it again that would be lovely um but he's unlikely to get a chance like this again unless he unifies him himself, which I don't, you know, I don't think it's completely out of the question. But um, given the concerns over Taylor's level, you wouldn't necessarily book him to do it. But, you know, I'll give Catterall the. I, like, I, like, I, would, I would like to see, you know, I want to see what Catterall does next. Just Taylor's going to move up to welterweight. You know, previously I would have enjoyed a fight with, uh, with Terence Crawford. And, I mean, that would have been hard to make because... Uh, Taylor's top rank and Crawford's having a blood feud with Bob Arum but at this point you know you want to see more from Taylor um and this is where I want to sort of address this like a concern I have because um Taylor is with Ben Davison and a few weeks ago we saw Lee McGregor and Lee McGregor it was a completely different level of fight and he got job but he it was officially draw but he should have won but he was fighting an opponent that he really should have been beating in Diego Alberto Ruiz and um, the problems he had were different I talked about it a few weeks ago a little bit the main problem that had was um, was not being uh, he was being a bit it was being a bit confused um, by his opponent throwing not like, just countering everything he threw but the problem on his side and on Taylor's side was a lot of the same in that there was not an angle a lot of angles coming from them and they were both sort of standing in front of their opponent and trying to just blast their way through the problem and that's a concern for me because um, Ben Davidson one of Ben Davidson I I don't I wasn't saying that's why it's a concern for me that confuses me because Lee Wiley who I respect and he's a fantastic he's a fantastic analyst and all accounts and you know he seems to be a great coach and uh I know for a fact that, well, I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm not in the room, so I can't say that for certain, but I know Lee Wiley isn't teaching his fighters to stand still and have no exit plan and have no, and be cutting the angles and just trying to blast their way through the problem. But we've seen two fighters consecutively run into, into problems doing that. And so there is some, there has to be something wrong with something that's not being communicated and whether, you know, who that's going from, whether it's been Davidson problem. And Davidson is a, you know, people love to stay on Ben Davidson. Um he has his issues. He you know, as a public persona he has a massive ego thing going on. But um I always say, you know, the fact that he has got Nee Wiley on and others who are specialise maybe in areas that he's not so good on is a good thing. It shows that he's able to get his ego out of the way and admit he needs you know, he wants he needs someone's help. But something's going on. Happen. I don't even, I wouldn't say it's going on all the time because they've had so much, so many successes, and like they got Lee Wood to beating Sukarn. Uh, so, I you know, I once it's a systematic problem in the gym necessarily, but two fighters in a row have exhibited the same problem, and whether it's a not a not listening problem, whether the fighters are difficult to coach, but because um, this is where the situation is different. Like Lee McGregor and I've said this when I was talking about this. Lee McGregor's a work very much a work in progress. And so when that happened with McGregor, I thought, okay, they're working on doing the static things first, the feeding out, the um, the, the little slide, like the, the balance and the head movement and all of that before they work on the exit head movement, because you can only do so many things at a time and ingrain them. And that makes sense. Like Potentially that's what's happening, that's what's happening with the McGregor. But why does Josh Taylor look like a fighter in the same stage of development as Liam McGregor Now, what's gone wrong there I don't want to say something's gone wrong in the gym maybe it's just gone wrong with Josh Taylor maybe there's a communication issue maybe he's not listening maybe he got complacent maybe they focused so hard on certain things that they need to learn that they assumed that he'd maybe they assumed that he had certain things completely ingrained and they didn't need to work on them so much that they fell out of, like, that he they fell out of use and he had, didn't have them ingrained I don't know but something's gone wrong Like him going from the mobile like clinch fighter, pressure fighter yes but mobile stepping around and he's just lost all of that and that's a concern and like, I really hope to see like, there, are, there, are some, there are a smart bunch of guys in that gym like people, like I say people love to rag on the gym and it's been um, it's been a field day for Twitter um, and i get it that Ben Davidson is a polarising guy He loves to talk himself up and that's always going to annoy people. Um I think, you know, they've got the people in place to sort out the problems. Like I say, I'm a really big fan of Lee Wiley, like as an analyst I really rate him and I you know I cannot imagine he's seen that fight and not seen you know, he's seen the issues much deeper than I have. No, with all due respect to myself. Um you know, Lee Wiley's watched that fight and knows what's, knows what's gone wrong. And I don't think it's just the way. that something's gone wrong in the communication between with Josh Taylor, and like maybe it's just you know, like I say, maybe it's Justin Taylor. But but they have to figure it out, and they really have to figure it out urgently because he's moving up in weight, where he won't be able to. You know, if he takes the shots that Catterall is throwing at him from, you know, not even just Terrence Crawford, but some of the lesser guys that that, that way, they're, they're going to spark him, spark him out. He can't be doing that. Um, so he has to figure it out. Uh, he has to figure it out fast But Jack Cattrall You know Keep doing what he's doing Fight them You know I think he'll be um, He'll be giving another, another shot At one of the titles Like I say I think the top BBO. That'll be interesting to see We're not going to see a much Because just is just not Staying at the weight um, Yeah That's really all there is To say about that um, I mean there's a lot more To say about that It's really all I'm going to say On this podcast Because otherwise I'll be here forever um, So yeah I'm going to move on to um, the American card. And I think I'll start from the top here. I'll talk about um, Colbert first. Um, Colbert versus H- Hector Luis Garcia. And that was another one I got completely wrong. And in, you know, in fairness to me, in this instance, I did say Colbert has some issues that uh, might be exposed. Um, I just also didn't think that Garcia was going to be the one to do it and boy was he um, freaking out quite why the things went wrong that they did is a bit odd because this is a fight that uh, it did show the importance of momentum of well, it showed two things firstly what I was talking about last week about always having a preparing for the worst case scenario which Cobbett didn't but also allowing your opponent to get up a certain head of steam because what Cobbett does do well usually he is good at range fighting an opponent that's coming at him, catching them on the way, moving away, getting a shot before they come and get to him and to begin with him not doing that was a choice like it was pretty clear from what he's doing from the words in the corner um yeah the commentary team uh, commented on this as well it was pretty clear that Colbert initially was doing on purpose and I think it was a mistake anyway because um one of the things that I uh that I did say about Colbert was that um I don't think he's particularly good once you get past his range. He's just not particularly um, particularly his defenders just aren't there. Like he hasn't got the movements, the stance, any of that to really be an effective close range defender. He's okay at throwing inside and uh, like the early rounds were reasonably even, like he was getting his work off. Um But I think one of the big differences was he was landing some big shots on Garcia, but Garcia knew how to ride them. He's not super... Garcia's not super... His defense isn't super good in terms of not taking shots at all, but he knows how to move with the shots. He's well set up to take power and uh, take the sting off it. Uh, Whereas Colbert just isn't. And that was a big difference in the early rounds in that uh, even in situations where... But like Colbert did move him. You know, there were a few times when he caught him really well, and did sort of, you know, he did have to take literal steps to take this thing off the shot. But um, the reverse, and, and Garcia was in particular throwing an overhand right, like a sort of hook, right right hook overhand, coming over the top of Colbert's left hands, um, and that worked really well for him. Um, yeah, Colbert was mostly. This was a um, southpaw Garcia was southpaw. Colbert was in there orthodox a lot of the time it's a switch hitter but it's stuck in orthodox for a lot of this which has made me a mistake because one of Garcia's money punches was the lead right coming as a hook over the top like I say and that and you know not just that punch so many of the punches that uh, Garcia was landing were moving combat more than they should have been and this is something this is another one of sort of my pet this is a pet peeve of fighters uh getting themselves out of stance and uh, not taking, it's almost the opposite of, what well, you know, I was just talking about the balance before. Um, his feet were all wrong to take the power of the shots and therefore he's taking them harder than he needs to be. And I think that carried, like I think that mattered because um, because by the time he started reacting to what was going on in the fight, he'd already, he was already a bit befuddled. He was already a bit confused and uh, he'd taken shots. He would have been concussed by then. Um, so he wasn't reacting as well as he should have been and that may well have been the reason for when he did start to sort of move try to move and punch and you know get the intercepted shots in it wasn't happening for him like he wasn't able to like hold his feet and pop and move because every time he tried Garcia was already sort of already there and I think part of that happened because Garcia was faster than I thought he was faster than Colbert I thought he was certainly his has been was faster than I expected but even his feet were like, he was close he was in range well and um but Colbert just uh like he started off not trying to do that and then he did start trying to do that and it just didn't work. Um yeah, it was a it was a bit of an embarrassing performance. It did highlight the uh weaknesses because he started off so cocky and confident and all of that. And then, you know, he tried to adapt and he didn't have the right ideas. He didn't like like I say, he stuck he's a switch hitter, but he's stuck in this um orthodox stance at the time despite consistently getting clipped by the right hand over the top of his left over the top of his jab over the top of his for want of a better word guard and he just wasn't able to get any of the creativity going because he's consistently being he was consistently being pushed out of again out of stance and then even when he was keeping the fighter range he wasn't able to engage yeah the last two rounds because i watched i didn't I catch a whole fight live because I had to sleep. Then I woke up early. I caught the last few rounds. I've seen it since. But the last two rounds, and I sat down to watch it, it was embarrassing to watch because, like, I'm a big proponent. I, I really don't like talking about running in fights because almost all of the time when someone talks about running, what they're talking about is boxing and moving. Hit and don't get hit. But in this occasion, Cobb just decided the last two rounds and probably for his career, it was probably a wise decision. He'd lost the fight, he knew it. But he just didn't engage at all. he had no interest in fighting at all he had no interest in trying to win like the last few rounds he he had just given up like it wasn't a you know he didn't surrender he didn't uh, it wasn't no maths but um but he had no interest in winning and it's embarrassing not because you know it's not the saving yourself for another day that I find that I have a problem with It's that for someone at the level that we thought he was for someone at the level that he talked himself up to be. For Colbert to run out of ideas that heavily, that he just didn't even you know, he didn't have any idea of how to counter What Garcia was doing, and he's supposed to be a sort of defensive fighter, and his defenses failed him so badly that he just decided not to engage. That is, he is going to need a big amount of work. Like that's going to take so much of He asked for the immediate rematch after the fight. It's not going to happen because there are other. Um, there are mandatories and things going on. Um But he shouldn't be asking for it now. And maybe like maybe he'll look at it in the cold light of day and because um, he's not he doesn't seem like a dumb guy, so like he presumably look at the performance and figure out some of what went wrong. He needs a basic reworking from the ground up. And whether that basic whether that is just focusing on being on the outfighter, um rather than trying to be the, all, the all-rounder. Like, I don't know if he's having a competition with Boots Ennis, because they fight quite similarly, but Boots is just better at everything, especially the inside, the, for, the, the front foot stuff and the inside stuff. And, like, um, I don't know if Colbert is sort of having an official or unofficial competition with him. I say I say I bring up Boots just because their style is so similar. I don't know if they know each other. But, um, but yeah, the point is, maybe Colbert needs to stop trying to be everything and focus on being an outfighter. Completely But even if he does that He does need to figure out His feet And his stance And his defences on the inside Whether that's just to escape And get back to outfighting Or whether to truly compete On the inside That's something him and his coaches Have to figure out But it's going to need A lot of work Like he's going to have to Step down a level He probably won't be headlining the next fight That Cardi fight if fights Fights on Like if he is He, should, he probably shouldn't be and you know i like his personality people like people talk about he's too flashy he's too cocky and like clearly in hindsight that was true but at least he's not a you know he's not a dislikeable brush like he puts forth his personality but he seems like a likable guy so i hope he sorts himself out but and then yeah garcia um good for him good for him and so now yeah so basically this was a eliminated from a mandatory against Roger Gutierrez, at 130 pounds. I probably should have said that at the top for anyone not familiar with him. This is a 130 pound fight. And yeah, basically what happened was um, was that Colbert was supposed to be fighting Gutierrez, but Gutierrez got COVID, had to pull out, and Hector lewis Garcia steps in as a late replacement, which just makes this all the more sort of remarkable, that he was so well-prepared and so on point. and And like, he didn't come in with a special camp to prepare for the biggest part of his life. He was just kind of there. And... Yeah, so now we fight Gutierrez for the for the title as soon as this turned up you know they turned it when Gutierrez fell out they turned it to an eliminator kind of a weird one weird thing to do but that's what happened um yeah that'll be that'll be interesting Gutierrez is a because you know he beat um Rene Alvarado twice for oh I man, this is a WBA so basically so what happened at the time was that at the time it was the regular world title so not the real world title because Tank Davis held that title since then um, Gutierrez hasn't fought but um, Tank has vacated so now what Gutierrez holds is the real proper full world title boxing man but um, yeah Gutierrez is a good fighter but you know having a close fight with um, with Alvarado he's it, a good fighter he's not you know he's fun but um but it doesn't put him at a level where I'm going to look at my, look at where Garcia's going to be looking at that and going, oh, I'm out of my depth. Like, Colbert was a... Well, oh, it's not a situation where I'm going to be looking at and saying, oh, Colbert was overrated, and so therefore Garcia hasn't really proven that he can hang. Because uh, Gutierrez himself, you know, Alvarado's a good fighter. It's not, you know, the uh, the elite of the elite. They're not going to be... It's not the They're not mixing with pound-for-pound pound monsters here. It's a... Uh, it's a good division. It's not a fully proven-out division. We don't fully know who's where. And um, Garcia is a good addition to the top. Is what I'm trying to get at here. Garcia has put himself in among that. He's a little older than the rest, but he's uh, relatively fresh as a pro, having a having a good uh, amateur career. And it'll be good. Yeah, he's unexpectedly took his chance, and suddenly he's a contender at the top of the division of a busy, solid division. So yeah, that's a good one for him. The other fight on the card that I want to talk about. There were, this is going to be. Um, I'm going to skip over the fight that I really want to watch because I've not been able to watch it yet. It was also ended up. You know, I ended up talking. Post, I had talked up Postol and um, Postol against Gary and Russell as potentially the fight of the weekend. And from what I understand, it was a fine fight, um, but probably it ended up being the least interesting thing. The major things happening at the weekend apart from a Cody versus um, just like that's a whole other thing yeah um, I didn't get to watch a fight live and unlike the other two I haven't had the chance to catch up so I'm not going to comment on that except to say that the stoppage was clearly too early and if the ref I don't know if the ref had been asked to protect Russell's knockout record you know it's 15 for 15 now he's got 100% knockout record anyway yeah that, the stoppage shouldn't have happened but I can't comment on the rest of the fight so I'm not going to um so I'm gonna skip straight to the title fight, the only title fight on the card, but the third fight is on top of the bill, and that can tell you straight away about uh Join and kahas Because he is a fun, fun enough fighter, but like I said in my preview, he's been defending that title for years now against either Faded former champions from lower divisions or guys who just don't look like they have any business being in the ring with him, and on paper, that was the case here. And I said that in my preview like, um, I I thought that, yeah, Martinez just wasn't going to be able to, that Martinez is going to be the wrong type of fighter, that Martinez is quite relentless, but um, but that and Kaz, and I really have no idea what I'm struggling with his name, but and Kaz, um. Yeah, that was going to be too much for him. That Nkajas likes to sort of counter and intercept fighters coming at him. And that Martinez was going to be the wrong type of fighter. He he was going to... That he was going to find it difficult to get to him. And, uh, you know, he ended up blowing him out. And that just didn't happen. And I'm happy about it because, you know... And Nkajas, I'm sure he's a nice guy. He's a fun enough fighter. But he was holding a belt hostage in the blessed division in the sport. And hopefully... I mean, there's a rematch clause, and I've already said that I hope that um, Martinez wins the rematch so that we get more movement on this title, but yeah, it was turned out that the, the relentlessness he had was exactly the tonic that he needed, and that it turns out that when Cajas can't stop you, you know, that if the interception shots don't stop you in your tracks, he's got a real problem. Um, because, yeah, he didn't really have much else going on. Uh, once once cast stopped, you know, got into sort of mid-range pocket fighting, he didn't really know how to exit. He didn't know how to defend. He was just sort of trying to fight his way through and force Martinez off, and that just wasn't happening. And, yeah, it was a, one of those fights where early on it was kind of equal. It's a little bit like the Kobe fights of that. cast didn't give up. Um but it was one of those fights where the early rounds were back and forth, and you know both both of the fights. The commentaries took a little while to realise what was happening. And if I hadn't known the results before I watched them, well, before I watched uh, the early parts of the Colbert fight and this fight, tour, maybe I would have done the same. But it took a little while for them to figure out what was happening, and that one fighter was clearly taking the shots better than the other, because that happened. Uh, in both fights, like completely different styles of fighters, but they both ended up in um, in fights where they were exchanging relatively equally with um with their opponent, but they were taking the worse, more powerful shots. In this instance, the difference was that that unlike Colbert and Cass doesn't know how to take a shot. He knows how to remove one, but P- Martinez just apparently has heavy hands and just kind of you know he was throwing some monsters at him and. Yeah, the like technically speaking, this isn't the most complicated fight to analyze because uh, because it was a fairly simple case of Ancaras just didn't have the, the right kind of defence once. You know, like I say, he was relying on his power to stop Martinez coming forward and when that didn't happen he didn't have any second recourse. Which again I've been loop saying this on a loop for the past few weeks, always have a backup plan. What I will say is to give martinez you know give him his flowers give him his props you know he wasn't just rushing forward crudely throwing shots and this is something i did you know i should have given him credit for before probably i didn't his level changes he's coming in his little slides and um evasions you know it wasn't stopping him getting hit but it stopped it was stopping and kajas and knowing where the shots were coming from and that made it more difficult for him to exit safely. it Made it more difficult for him to protect himself. This was one point where maybe I would have recommended. You know, I, I don't love a high guard. I don't love a static high guard very much. But but this was something that maybe he should have been employing. There was an over an overhand right again, similar to the to the um, to Garcia's plan. There was an overhand right that he was landing consistently, just looping, coming down with it. Uh, yeah, like I say, his level changes were effective. And yeah, pretty much the story of the fight was that he never stopped for 12 rounds and that, um, and Cajas was, Martinez never stopped for 12 rounds and, and Cajas didn't either, but he was just getting more and more worn on and more and more hurt. And like every every round just was more and more, okay, they were, none of them were one-sided in terms of the action, but it just got more and more in favour of Martinez and every exchange and everything. He just had more, he delivered more power and he took what was coming back at him coming back at him better. And that's that's what it came down to. It wasn't like a there was a massive difference in calf and class in skill. But one fighter was just enough better in just the right areas. They just sort of took over more and more and more. And so by the end of the fight, it was a bit of a shacking, really. It's, yeah, he took a bit of a beating. I mean, the numbers were pretty insane. Martinez landed um, 427 overall shots which is a record for the division, apparently. Um, sorry, no, it was the power punches. He landed 421 power punches, which is, you know, he landed 427 punches overall, so he only landed six jabs, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, he threw plenty, he just didn't land any of them, which is fine. His jab was a setup up punch. Like, there's nothing wrong with not landing a jab, especially when you're beating shit out of your opponent with everything else. But, um, yeah, the what he did land was... Um, he landed 480 punches overall. 400, 2, 390 of them were headshots. He landed 390 headshots on uh, Alak and Kahas. Where's your defence, big man? Okay, you're a little guy. Where's your defence? You're a champion. You've been a champion for years. What the fuck happened? Like, maybe that's why they were protecting him. Because clearly, you know, seeing that guy in that fight, watching him with any of the other superflies, it would have been a bit embarrassing I'm sorry but it would have been um, yeah Fernando Martinez you know he's in an odd division now it's an alter transition transitional place where uh, you know people uh, Jesse Rodriguez just won a title sort of out of, you know it wasn't out of nowhere but um, he looked much better than him he thought it was going to be you've got casito Yoka um, sort of the the regular names You Yostrada um Teresa gets a wrong side they're sort of aging out martinez isn't a young guy he's 30 so normally in, you know in that sort of age uh it's not young for the division but he's a new pro like he's a relatively new pro he um he turned over in 2017 um and yeah but till now he's fought almost exclusively in argentina this is his uh first fight in america big things going for him you know he's in the best division in the sport still he's got guys that, you know the big names at the weight he's got guys at the division below he'll be looking up you know but he'll probably be if he keeps it if he wins the rematch and keeps it up for a little while <clears throat> he'll probably be sort of a target for the guys coming up if they can get him you know the guys coming up in weight Your um Sonny Edwards your Hunton Hunter Napitani if he decides um yeah they'll, if they decide to come up before unifying we'll see but, he'll, you know, for however long he stays there, he'll be sort of the target as the weakest. And he'll have things to prove. And that's going to be fun to watch too. Um, and Cajas will obviously hope that he can recapture the belt because if he doesn't, he's going to... He's going to struggle to win another one because, you know, I think there's fight proof that he just isn't that good in that 30 and he's been around for a while. Like, they're the same age, these two guys, but Cajas has been, you know... I think he won. Did he win the belt before? I'm going to have a quick look, check... Uh, when he won this IBS belt. Yeah, he won the but he won the belt a year before Martinez and Pro. Um Yeah, it's it's, it's great shape for him. Yeah, great great thing. Great place for him to be. So now, yeah, I've talked about these, uh, the two fights I can talk about off that card. You know, my apologies for not being able to talk about uh, the other one, but this you know ultimately there's only seven eight hours in the day and on the day that had some time three. I just didn't it wasn't there for me to see, so so I I can't comment on uh, on Russell and Postal you know my bad but what I am going to move on to is the second british card um Cody versus Cheslack I'm not actually that interested in talking about Cody versus Cheslack but I'm going to talk about it a little little bit um you know I, I say not interested in talking about it it's just not a fight where there's that much to say all, all I really can say is uh, you know I was hoping for a Cody to be the show you the clean stuff from the Golovacki fight the Glu- why did I just say Golovacki I'm Polish Gorvatsky. why you know he didn't have that um, smoothness that he had in that fight but it's possible that that just shows how off the boil Gorvatsky was after you know he had Covid he'd been out for a while it's, it was not a good performance about him and Cheslak just looked physically stronger and more capable and the uh, both of them made it an extremely messy fight. Like we always play McColey, and, you know, he can't not accept responsibility. But both of them made it messy. But th- this is the thing where I always say about this, Macaulay in this mode, he's, it's ugly and it's messy and there are definitely things he can tighten up. Like his jab, is kind of weird corkscrew thing. His right hand was, um, his right hand is very frustrating because he is so telegraphed. And he loops it and that makes it easy for, like Chesnack was doing all the time, sort of stepping into it and clinching up and the, you know um, the punch was sort of hanging behind his head and then he was you know Chesnac was rubbing punching and stuff and you know, the point is Kelly's got such a long right hand if he straightened up even just a little bit if he could get it straight it would be much more difficult um, it being telegraphed wouldn't matter because it would be such a tool to control what his opponent would be doing because it would be so difficult to duck around you know at the moment again Chesnack was sort of just he just had to step forward and the punch was missing if he strains that punch up that won't be there for his opponents because they'll have to walk through the punch and it is a big punch and if he strains up if he delivers it properly it'll be bigger so I think that's something he should be working on maybe um, but the thing about Cody is he's awkward he's ugly but he's good um, in that division um, yeah if Marius Breedis turns up with the, his full skill and Cody is in that sort of mode Breedis should win fairly comfortably I, I, I'm not even there I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm um, not going to I'm not going to put all my, you know, I don't, put, I don't gamble, so I'm not going to put any money on it. But I wouldn't even if I did because um, I've done writing. I Cody off. Like I always think he's gonna, he's reached his level, and then he just, um, he's hard to beat, man. He's tough. He's and he's defensively but like, he looks like he's not doing anything good defensively, but he's hard to land on clean. He's hard to get your punches off. He's hard to, he's hard to fight clean against. He makes it really rough. And that's just an underrated skill. That like he looks uncoordinated and gangly, and but but he makes his opponents look worse. Like every time he makes his opponents look worse, and that's just going to be so difficult to overcome. Like especially at this point, where he's got such a huge reach advantage on everyone because he's massive he's six foot five he's got this massive long reach um yeah he's got a big guy he's gonna be a big guy at heavyweight but um, he's got you know more work to do he doesn't seem to be struggling making the weight so he's just gonna you know hang around here he's gonna try to unify it like i say i hope he fights Breedus. you know Breedus in between is embarrassing begging for a for a fight with um jake paul well he was in the building he dressed up as mario he handed uh, a cody and mcdonald which I understand Nokoli's must be vegetarian because uh that's what you know the Cortez said hopefully that was veggie, I doubt it. Anyway, that's irrelevant. Um yeah, O'Coli. He put in a bad performance, that was a good performance this is essentially what happened. It's uh it was horrible to watch, it was clinchy, it was ugly. The first half of the fight I thought the ref was handling it well, doing what he needed to be doing, you know, warning them but not inserting himself. But then uh, you know, the way uh I think it was I'm, I'm going to check before I punch the referee in the Cattell Taylor fight. So yeah, Marcus McDonald um, sort of uh, embarrassed himself a bit by being in the middle of everything and like making all, trying to make the of his Taylor fight all about himself. Was the referee in this fight? It's Michael Alexander, and you know, having a quick look at his uh, box work record, he had in fact refereed several fights that I've seen, including Lewis Hamilton versus Joshua and Callum Smith, Smith versus John Ryder, and other you know big fights, wild well, tire fights. And this is the first time I've had occasion to remember his name, which, you know, suggests that he is a good referee. He did lose control a little bit towards the end of this one. But to begin with, he was, you know, letting them get on with it, breaking when he needed to, taking them off when he needed to. He probably should have started, he should have taken points off of chest back for rabbit punches. And, yeah, he probably needs to get a bit stricter earlier. But But I do like a referee who sort of tries to, Referee a difficult fight, uh, but but let the fighters get on with it as much as you can. And um, yeah, that's uh, just a comment, you know. Uh, that was a uh, it was a difficult fight to referee, and I think you know they like could have done a better job. But um, yeah, Michael Alexander apparently a good referee. But the thing that I really want to talk about from this card is uh, Jordan Gill, and I like Jordan Gill. I'm a fan of Jordan Gill. He was fighting Kareem Gueye for the European title at the way. and you know I said Gwerfi we've seen before he fought Lee McGregor a couple of ways lower, which I should have said that really but yeah he's come up and he's jumped up and weight to win the title that he had here um, and I did say you know the performance against McGregor was a little bit of an outlier because he he was just completely unprepared for what McGregor threw at him Um he knew what Gil was bringing and this was going to be an interesting fight because it was going to be a fight of two two guys who like to throw intercepting shots wait for the opponent to move catch them and then punish. you know it's um i sort of being a little bit pretentious i refer to it as uh, making pain making miss where you throw the shot that punishes them before you move out of the way of the counter um and both of them like to do that both of them like to intercept um which becomes relevant later on and i thought that jordan gill was going to be just a little bit classier because he's a little bit more efficient with his movements and it looked like that early on um, what I didn't, I should have accounted for because it's always been the case with him, but um, I didn't account for it enough. It's that like Gil does the one thing he does do badly is exit, or rather, he doesn't. He's very unsafe when he's leaving an leaving an exchange. He's very good at entering, setting all of that stuff. He's excellent at it. His timing is fantastic. Uh, like, like you know, his accuracy is fantastic. He's got a number of the kelbrooks about him. Whether he's got the physical ability to reach the level Brook did, we'll see. But in terms of his, you know, his education and how he fights, he's got a similar style. I would say he's got a bigger toolbox. Like I say, whether he's able to apply it more than uh, the way um, the way Brook did uh, against, you know, someone like a Porter coming at him would be, you know, we'll, we'll find out hopefully. Um, but defensively, he's um, he just leaves himself very open when he's leaving in exchange, and that told. Um, and yeah, in round... Uh, was it round five? Uh, um, he was starting to take over. He was um, he was doing well. He was starting to take over the fight. Then uh, in... Uh, no, it was in the seventh round. In the seventh round, he um, he got dropped. But completely his fault. He just wasn't paying attention. As he was leaving, his hands were down. He got dropped and clipped and uh, fell down. And then he got up. He was wobbly. Um, so he tried to clinch. He tried to hang on and... They got to a tangle and he ended up getting basically DDT'd into the canvas. Um, smacked his head really hard and he was knocked out like that was a knockout blow. But because it wasn't an official thing, he got up um, and he was fucked. And apparently, um, afterwards, we found out that he'd also fucked up his knee, he'd perforated his eardrum, which I assume happened from the knockdown because that looked like it. And he may also have had a um. He may have had a broken orbital because one of his eyes swelled up really badly. It, it didn't create great. That. that hasn't been reported yet, so maybe it wasn't a broken orbital. But um, but he wasn't happy with it. And yeah, like I say, his leg was fucked up and his equilibrium was fucked, so he couldn't walk basically at all. Um, and yeah, Coldwell, Dave Coldwell as coach, you have to sort of, you know you have to give him credit. And ben, you did actually say this on the night, and he got a little bit into a little bit of trouble with it with, um, over it on twitter well i said trouble domingo um got sort of gave him some lip back but yeah he made the comparison to to kiko martinez to kid galahad who got caught cold with a galahad shot and then he went back to the corner and nickel just basically kind of didn't address the situation which was that galahad was fucked and so galahad stepped out tried to box as normal and got knocked out cold in the first second it was a that i'm ripping that example from value but it's a good example with coldwell you could have made the argument that he should have pulled gill um you know for the help of the fighter i like, i wouldn't have argued he pulled gill either on spot or after a round um but what he said to gill was you just stay here you stand up and you stand still and you're you're going to be fighting And like, he didn't say this but Gill was just stood above coldwell and coldwell was um Coaching him through it, like everything, and like to his credit, Gil again. This is makes his lack of defence more frustrating because he had clearly he showed it. He he has it. He was rocking and rolling on the ropes, tucking up, but moving. And uh, you know, he was clearly he was beating him up, but it wasn't. You know, it wasn't like he had no recourse. As badly hurt as he was, Gil was uh, responding right, and like I said, Coldwell was coaching him through it step by step by step. Every time he backed off and Gil tried to leave the corner he nearly fell over so he just retreated back into it and uh and Murphy came on at him like, to be honest Murphy could have probably would have just won the fight by just stepping into the middle of the room and saying come at me and the referee would have weighed them together Gil would have fallen over and the referee would have stopped the fight obviously high is easy he didn't know how quite how hurt Gil was and it was very very hurt um but yeah he um all Gil had as an offense was going back to that intercept thing, he was letting Guelfi um, throw, and every sort and thing would get too overconfident, and Gil would try to crack him with counter. Anyway, there's two rounds of this, so he hurt himself in round seven, he got to the end, through round eight, all he did was, you know, stay in the corner and then, like, twice in the round, he tried to throw a really big counter. Through round, uh, round eight, that was. Through round nine, same thing. Just con- consistently getting beaten up. And like, towards the end of the round, I was shouting, well, I wasn't shouting, yeah, I was going, you know, stop the fight. Like, Coldwell, what are you doing? Referee, what are you doing? Stop the fight. The commentators were, you know, yelling, stop the fight. Like, I'm so glad that they didn't, ultimately, because we got one of the. If this is a knockout of the year, I'll be very surprised because it was just a perfect the exact thing that I've been talking about that he's been trying to do the intercepting shot he just slipped to the side a bit and nailed him flush as he was coming in one punch knockout Azaba round. and that probably saved the fight because I wouldn't have been surprised if that had been the last um, if Coldwood had said you know it's not working um, we've got to get you out of here mate we've got to protect you so it was literally with seconds to go he, he clocked him uh, he, he clocked him and dropped him he, it was waved off it was you can tell I, um, You know I'm, Like I say I'm Jordan Gilford I, lo- I love the way he fights And he's had some shit In his career like, like, Quite literally he, uh, he, His previous loss Well his only loss so far Was um Was a few years ago To um, the Curse of the Round of Spaniard uh, The Round of Mexican My bad um, Yeah um, Where he uh, Fought Mario Enrique Tinoco And that was supposed to be A tune up Sort of fight And And um, I totally believe That he had the shits In that fight Because every time He got hit Even slightly in the gut He fell over And um, And since then And before then He hasn't shown That kind of weakness So he had that And then he had His recovery And he was coming back And then he fought uh, Alan Castillo At the end of last year And um, Gil got cut in the hairline With a clash of heads And they got stopped uh on a technical draw, was it? Um, anyway, yeah, so that didn't do well. Then this is, he came back to this, um, and it always looked like he was going to get fucked up again. You know, injuries and illness have been stalling his career, and he'll be out for a while after this, but he'll be out on such a high because that was, it was fantastic. You haven't seen it, like, you haven't seen the fight, go watch the fight. You know, like, see the knockout, but watch the fight because it's a fun one. And that was, uh, yeah, I'm going to end on that because that was, uh, yeah. Like I say We're only in Well we're in March now As so I'm recording it We're in February When it happened I'll be very surprised If it's not knockout of the year Not just for the punch itself Which is amazing But um, But the Context around it You know it, I, said, I said this uh, when, it, when it was When it's happening It's The best knockout That shouldn't have happened That shouldn't have been Allowed to happen Since um, Since Danny Williams Knocked out Mark Potter With one arm hang off a socket If you haven't seen that if any of you haven't seen that, go look it up It's incredible um, Danny Williams, like his his arm is out It's fully out of his uh, socket uh, And he's just fighting with the other one And Mark Potter's sort of coming at him And the refer- the, his corner clapping him on And everyone, like, the commentators are yelling and, uh, and then he just catches Potter With his massive right hand um, Drops him He gets up, he drops him again The commentators, I can't remember who was commentating But you can hear him lose his voice and that's more or less what happened here, you know, it was uh, the injury wasn't the single injury wasn't as obvious. But I think, judging by you know, even what happened afterwards, um they were celebrating, Gil goes over to the corner, celebrating with his dad, his coach and Eddie Hurt, then he walks off and he just he stacks it, he falls over and he gets up and he goes out to lean on the rope and he nearly falls out of the ring. His balance was that fucked that I think that he was equally as injured as Williams, even though he didn't have a single obvious shoulder hanging out. Um, yeah, um, to come back from that in that way, it's, you know, the, the day before we were talking about Cashel vs Taylor, the scoring soured, it, it's boxing, it's rude, you know, it ruins boxing, that kind of thing. So why do we keep coming back to it? This is why. This sort of thing. You don't get theatre like this in any other sport. Like, I'm a huge football fan, i watch like lots of different sports, and, um, you know, I follow your MMA and all of this. Um, and, you know, I love all of them, and I'm, you know, football's my bad, but, um, but you don't get drama like this in any other sport. It's just phenomenal. And on that note I'm gonna end. I'm gonna end just with a quick note that uh, there is another big weekend coming because uh Chocolatito is fighting Julio Cesar Martinez, but uh I'll get that into that on the preview, so look out for that and for any other stuff that's happening. And other than that, see you next week. If you haven't seen me you know, if you haven't seen any of these fights, uh apart from a don't watch out don't bother watching that everything else is worth watching um catch up and see you next time